Welcome to the Open House Podcast with James Tatum. This podcast is about conversations that we have in the gym. Everything from training methods, technique, massage, and other odd topics that come up. So make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Today, I've got George and Tyree with me. What's up, guys? Hey, what's up, Coach? How you guys doing? Oh, doing good. I just got a text message back. Alyssa signed up for Nationals. So we are set. There we go. Um, That's going to be fun. Yep. So today's the last day to get your your early bird pricing. And otherwise, you're paying the big bucks. Uh, And that goes for coaches, too. Right now, I think coaches, if they sign up today, it's $0 to sign up. Uh, If they sign up tomorrow, it's $25. And if they sign up, like, I don't know, a week out, it's like $50. It used to be that uh, coaches didn't have to sign up for meets. Um, and then they started uh, being a little bit more strict with, you know, the coaches who were banned because there was no real like consequences for coaches who were banned unless somebody was at the meet remembered that they were banned. You know, like um, let's say you, I can't think of anybody in particular, but this is three they, times this last nationals. There are three coaches that showed up and, uh, one coach got caught. I, I wonder who snitched on him, but the coach who gave his pass so that that coach could go to the back, both of them just got a four-year ban. Mm. So one, one's four-year ban just got extended to eight, and the coach who gave that suspended coach his credentials so he could go to the back, he also got a four-year ban. Yep. Consequences. That's a long ban for uh, for such a small infraction. Right. But... Um, you know, I guess, uh, now we know, I guess that's what's happening. Yeah. It used to be like, um, there was no, you know, there was nothing for coaches. It was just like, Oh, you're a coach. All right. Well, you got your little yellow tag that your athlete gave you or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. just go back and coach. Um, but you know that, uh, it's not just like band coaches. It's also like making sure that the coaches have passed safe sport and, have passed this and that, you know, safe sports kind of a pain. Like, I don't like that we have to do refresher courses because it's just the same information over and over again. Over and over. Um, but I guess they're just beating a dead horse and, and drilling it in. All right. Enough of those boring conversations. Tyree just opened up the bang. Let's get shit started. <laughs> Tyree, tell us about this weightlifting analysis app that you got. All right. So I, I really, I think I really lucked up onto this app. So I had another app from years ago called, I think it was, whatever it was. It was a, it wasn't very good, but every uh, Iron Path while, maybe. No, <laughs> that would have been better. I think it was, I think it was Kilo Path or Kilo mm. Lift, something like that. But you had to record it from the side, and seventy percent of the time it wouldn't record your bar path. It would say sorry, video couldn't load. So I tried to record Amanda's bar path last week on um, I think it was muscle snatch and it didn't load and then it just pissed me off because that was the perfect rep to see it so went to the app store or one on google just said weightlifting bar path app and it was the very first one uh weightlifting analysis so downloaded that and it gives me so much information and that's when I sent it into the group with you guys because it tracks bar path and one nice thing that it does this is the first app I've seen that if you're doing a double or a triple it resets the bar path and wipes out the previous bar path for each rep as soon as you reset on the floor yeah so that's convenient different lines 
Um, so it does bar path, bar uh, displacement, horiz- uh, horizontal displacement, vertical displacement, um, acceleration. I think I'm missing something else. Velocity. It, yeah, boy, it does velocity. And there's one more. There's one more that's on like the bottom row that I haven't played with much. But it has a lot of information. It lets you record it from different angles, which is nice. And it lets you add videos from before. Because I, I never really record directly from the side. I normally do an angle. And it still grabs the bar path from the angle. Oh, so, yeah. Concentric velocity is the one that you're talking about at the bottom. Yeah. So it's concentric velocity. Yeah, I mean that makes sense because then it's just tracking the up. It's not, uh, you know, when you in weightlifting, it's not really tracking the bar drop because that's not. Well, I don't know. Maybe bar drop would be a valuable thing to know, like how fast your bar drop is, kind of to decide whether how much control you have of the weight after you get under it. Uh, but I don't know. This, let's not go down mm-hmm. that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> um, I, I did look at that kind of with the bar path, but I didn't use that metric. Um, but I looked at it with a power clean. Um, the peak height of the bar, where I met the bar, and then how much it pushed me into the hole. Um, that was interesting to see. I've just been yeah. playing with this app a lot. It's fun. Yeah, the bar drop thing is kind of interesting thing. So bar drop is like um, the peak height of the bar. And then the very bottom, let's say it's the snatch. So you pull it up as high as possible. The peak height of that bar is, uh, and the difference between that and how low that bar goes down when you're in the the very bottom of your catch position in the snatch or the clean. And, um, you know, really it's, uh, I guess it's a sign of the maybe efficiency. Like if you have very little bar drop, that means like you were fast under a bar and you got down like, and you only had to pull the bar so so high because you can get under a bar. And then some people just have more bar drop. Um, and I think it has a little bit to do with proportions and stuff too, but it's kind of an interesting metric to uh, just to kind of look at or maybe like track your own bar drop. As you get better in weightlifting, you'll find out that you get less and less bar drop because you're getting better and better at moving under heavy weights. I do want to see what... Since you actually have a unit, I want to see how close the unit is to the app because we don't we don't know how how good the app is. But we can if the app's off by 0.4, it's going to be off by 0.4 in all my lifts. So at least it's consistent, I think. Okay, yeah. So we're talking about like velocity. So yeah. it does like a, it does like peak velocity, mm-hmm. um, and it's neat because it matches up that velocity with the actual like real-time position of the video and this app yeah like uh, andrew is an anomaly for several reasons um like his peak velocity at least in the picture that he sent of his 185 clean his peak velocity is like right below his knee and that was wild to me because he peaks at the knee dips off a little bit during the transition comes up again once he gets to the power position but it never crosses that line of where his velocity was right below his knee. Again, that was only, I'm looking at one picture that he sent in the group, but that was wild. Yeah. That's a, that's not a, a normal uh, <laughs> uh, speed or rhythm of a lift. Usually it's a constant acceleration kind of goes away from the textbook version of how velocity should be. Um, 
I but did then you add look- Carlos Nassar, though. I did. His was weird, too. Not as strange as um, Andrew's, but the world record when he – one of his world records, when he put up his 210 clean, I put that in the app. And his bar speed was at point – I think it was point eight. No, it was point four until he got to his knee. No, it was point eight until he got to his knee, dropped down to point four during his transition. And then from the power position, it went up to 1.6. And who is this? Uh, the Bulgarian 81, who has the world record. What's his name? Uh, Carlos Nassar. Is that the young kid? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, that's kind of where the peak velocity should be, is at the power position, you know, and up. Because that's where you're, you know, that's the important part. Um yeah, so this thing, it measures it in meters per second. Um, so the higher the number, the faster you're going. Uh, so like one point, uh, what, what do you say, 1.6 is what it went up to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, it'd, it'd be interesting to see. That's still a pretty slow velocity, I think. Hey, well, hey, hey, hey. my cleans peak at 1.4, James. I'm trying my um, best. All right, maybe I'm thinking about snatch then. That's a slow velocity for snatch. You know, so the velocity checker that I have is a rep one, and it's an actual like string that attaches to a barbell, and that'll be interesting to see. You know, the difference between the rep one because that gives like um, two decimal places of you know velocity, so it's a uh, it's pretty precise. When looking at snatch versus clean, um, I did a few of my lifts that were over 95% on snatch and same with clean and jerk. For snatch, I was around 1.8 for my heavy ones. Um, That day that I recorded all of my lighter ones, I was like right over two. Um, Your, I put one of your videos in, I think it was a 150 and you were at 1.9 meters per second. At least on that specific lift. So snatch is around 1.8 for me, 1.4 on cleans. And then you had Andrews who's in that. uh, And this is where we say we we haven't, we don't know how accurate the app is. So I want to see what your unit says compared to this app because Andrew was getting to 2.2 on a PR clean. Yeah, I was going to say it'd probably be a good idea to do like, 10 reps with the rep one and then 10 reps with the app, like on the same list, just to see yeah. if like how accurate it is, or if it's a constant <clears> increase <throat> or a constant decrease, because it could be accurate, like maybe three or four reps and then just completely dip off or go crazy up for the remaining yeah. four or five lifts. Yeah. 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 We'll have to mess around with it. Um, and we've got a heavy day. Uh, I tried to get, uh, one of the guys to do it, uh, Ronnie, um, but I didn't think of it until he was already at his heavy weight. And then he's like, man, don't mess me up. <laughs> put that thing on there. I'll start thinking about it. And then it'll mess me up. I um, will say that happened to me when I was trying to track from my first warm up. I was so concerned about not thinking about it and just moving that it, it didn't work. Because I tracked, I think I was at like 3.2 on my first snatch at 50 kilos. You, and you know what I found it just that helped work. was um, thinking about your foot pressure right off right off the floor because you know normally like you kind of just think about getting set set into a good start position and you're like mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna fill this out 
But when I focused on getting like good foot pressure right there in the midfoot and the start and nothing else, my velocity was at the highest. I think about lower back and mid. I, I, I do think about my feet. The two things I think about on the start are feet on the floor and keeping my back braced. Those are the and two. This is on snatch. Before you even start the lift? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's a good point. So those are like when you should be thinking about things is like uh, like that is getting into position before the lift. But then like once you're going on the lift, I mean, maybe one thing, ideally nothing once you're actually lifting. I can't think during a jerk. Jerks just at least at least on max attempts cleans. I'm thinking about the whole thing. The cleans are still I just the whole lift. I can think about everything. Jerks don't notice anything at all that's ever happening snatch it depends on if i'm having a good day or not because i started overanalyzing if everything's moving slow i'm like oh that was slow why was it slow what were you doing wrong you know what i watched the other day it was a movie called uh forgetting sarah marshall <laughs> a comedy <clears throat> and so the uh the dude's all depressed because his girlfriend left him so he goes out in hawaii and then his girlfriend's out there and it's all this like uh this conflict and stuff. So he's just like, man, I'm going to like go try to feel better. And she's going to go learn how to surf. And his, uh, his surfing instructor is Paul Rudd. And he plays this, uh, this, I don't even know what they would call him in Hawaii. Just somebody like that's a mainlander that moved to Hawaii and gave himself a Hawaiian name. And he just smokes weed all the time. And so he's like out there on the beach, like about to teach him how to like get up on the waves. And, uh, his cues are like, all right, so what you want to do is you want to do nothing and then just like get up and stand up. And so then he, he stands up and he's like, Oh, you're doing too much. Do less. And so then he gets up slower and then he's like, Oh, you're going too slow. Do less. Just trying to like get across that idea of you're not supposed to think about it. You're just supposed to do it. And, uh, and then what's the name of that actor that's in that movie? You guys remember it? He also plays uh, in, I love you, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know his name. I can uh, play a movie. Crazy. Super good movie. Yeah. And then I, I kind of felt the, uh, the struggle of that coach trying to teach somebody how to surf. And then he's just like, yeah, you know what? Whatever. Let's just go out and surf. <laughs> no. And then they did terrible. But, you know, it's a, it's a good teaching moment for, uh, for, for like learning how to do the lifts. You want to do everything right, but you want to think of nothing while you're doing everything right. That's the goal. Use music. Whenever I really start snatching bad, that's when I'll put on some really slow stuff and just start singing to it, and then it fixes it. Like those, the snatchy mom the other day at 60 to 70%, first five reps were terrible. Is that when you were missing 90 kilos? Uh, That was the day before. Uh, (laughs) Luckily, yesterday I didn't miss anything, but it was was so bad. The last couple days in snatching, it's just been moving weird. The first day, I I just couldn't stabilize anything. I, I would get the bar in a decent spot. And then I would just shimmy in the hole or I'd shimmy on the way down or my left shoulder would buckle. It was just every single rep was something different. And all of it was, I just couldn't stabilize the bar and then something else would have to compensate. Um, Yesterday was better than that. Each rep got better. My last five or six felt really good. So I'm past that, but it still didn't feel as good as, 60 to 70% should. So then I started playing slow stuff. And then it was perfect again. Because then you stop thinking. You just start singing songs. You know what? It's a good method. I like that. You know, just uh, 
you change your mentality. Something that's not going right. Don't uh, don't dive into this, you know, dark path of frustration and technique because it uh, it can be frustrating. And then you're like, why am I even doing this? <laughs> and then uh, it just uh, it just doesn't lead anywhere. You know, just uh, to let it go. You know what? I I think I remember this like analogy that I heard a while back, and it was it was about like being able to turn things on and off like immediately and just to like ignore things in a way. So like in weightlifting, it's kind of a theme across multiple planes. You want to be able to go from tension to relaxation and then back to tension. So like you're tense when you're doing a pull and then you turn off that tension and you're relaxed and fast going under. And then when you catch the weight, you're tense again. So you got to be like very reactive. And then in the same way, you kind of have to be that way, you know, mentally, you know, you need to like be a hundred percent like going after a lift and then let's say you, you miss it. And instead of just staying stuck on that lift, you have to be able to like turn it off and forget about it and then just kind of move on to the next one. And then if you make a good lift, you have to kind of, you know, just observe and feel it. And almost, it's just like staying in the moment. You don't want to be stuck in this, you know, stuck on a bad lift and let that one lift kind of continue on and on during that training session. If you make a bad lift, you just have to learn to flip the switch, completely forget about it, and then go on. Do you yeah, I was going to say, that, oh, go ahead. Do you think that that's something that can be learned or do you think that that's how an individual is? Uh, I think it, I think it needs to be learned and practiced. What helped me out truthfully, like I noticed when I'm having a good snatch day or a good clean day or even a good jerk day is, um, while I'm setting up, I'll think of everything that I need to think of for the whole lift. So I'll take a little bit longer as I'm grabbing the bar, getting my hands set, getting my feet set. And I play everything out immediately right before the lift. And then by the time I go into the lift, it's like, if you were to ask me what happened actually during the lift, I'd be like, oh, I don't even know. Cause I thought about it all before I even went. I, yeah. I like that. And I think it's a good thing. Um, going to something else aside from weightlifting, but I think it, it, I think it's very similar. I was talking to Wes about this. I think it was Sunday. Went golfing. Wes is an athlete on. Uh, yes. At West, West Virginia. Virginia. I, Cause I was thinking, man, first thing you're like, Oh, you, you're buddying up with uh, West Virginia over there. You know? <laughs> yeah, no. Not that one. Um, so we're golfing and I am not good. I am not good. Um, but I'll have a terrible hole. And then I looked at him and I was like, yeah, it's okay though. This next hole, this is going to be nasty. I, this is going to be the one. And then it would, it would be bad again. And then I go to another one. <laughs> like, well, this, this is going to be the one. And then I just sat there for a second. I'm like, where, where is this coming from? Because, and then we compared it to weightlifting. In weightlifting, if I ever feel that way, it makes sense. It's like, okay, I'm not going to have three bad days in a row. Okay, I've done it before. I've done weightlifting. I know how to weightlift. That makes sense where this random confidence is coming from. In golf, I'm not good. I should not have any confidence here. I've never done it well. But for some reason, I always think, oh, well, this next shot, this is going to be the one. And that's why I said, do you think that's how an individual is or can that be learned? Because I didn't. I wasn't trying to do that. And then I just looked at him like, oh, well, this is how I feel in weightlifting, except in weightlifting, it makes sense. 
in golf, it makes no sense. Where am I pulling this from? And his thought was because I've done it somewhere else. He's like, well, you have done that in weightlifting where you've been bad, bad, good. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. Cause I'm all around bad out here on the course, but that's why I asked you yeah. to be learned or is that just how an individual is? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's probably easier for some people or maybe they've learned it through something else and they don't recognize that it kind of came from that. Um, like that attitude for you in golf, um, may have come from weightlifting. Um, also it just be, could be because you're a beginner at golf and you don't realize how, um, how much of a beginner you are that you don't realize <laughs> that the next shot's just not going to be good. I said, uh, I like being a beginner because even when I do really bad, like I'll be mad right then. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, but you should be in the trees right now. Cause you know, it's, you've been out here a handful mm-hmm. of times, so you deserve to be here. And then I, I don't stay mad about it too long, which is good. I'm not good enough to be mad when I have a bad day, which is nice. That'll change at some point. Yeah. So that's the, uh, the second thing that I was going to bring up is, um, it can't be so extreme that you're just not hungry for that next lift. You know, if you're just like, oh yeah, I missed that one. No big deal. I'm just going to go down and do my down sets. I'll just go down 50% instead of 15%. You know, no big deal. This will be fine. Um, you got to find that balance to be like, you know, still hungry enough to go after it, but not so much that you just dive down into that, uh, that negative side of training hard. And so it's a hard balance. You know, you, uh, Oh, let's let's do another throwback. Happy Gilmore (laughs) (laughs) with golf. Yeah, man. It's just like, uh, with putting, he went down that negative hole you know, why won't you go home ball? Uh, <laughs> and then he had to relax and think of his happy place. Uh, and he had to learn to let go of those bad shots and uh, be present in the moment in his happy place and make the good shots. But he still wanted to be hungry enough to win because he needed to save his grandma's house or something like that. Um, yeah, mm, no, lots of parallels I, to different sports. I will say being a beginner, uh, like a, a true beginner, is it's fun. It's fun because I, I just want to keep going because I want to be better because I don't like being bad at it. But it's not like it's different than weightlifting because weightlifting, I, I there is a certain level where. What was that Monday when I was missing all those reps like that wasn't acceptable, that shouldn't have been acceptable. If that was happening in golf, I'd be like, ah, well, you know, we'll fix it tomorrow. We'll we'll fix it. Just get better. Weightlifting, it weighs on me a little more, even though I know it's going to pass in a day. Golf, it doesn't weigh on me like that. It's just like, all right, if we keep doing this, we'll get better. We come out another five times and we will be better than we were that first time. And in two months from now, I will be better for sure. I just got to keep doing it. And that's kind of fun. So how do you feel about having a beginner's mindset while you're lifting? Um, I don't think I can. Because I was going to say, on my heavy days, I'll try to go in there with almost a beginner's mindset to where I'm not thinking about, okay, I'm going to um, 
watch my video in between the lifts to figure out what's going on or to where I'm not trying to actually analyze my lift until after our, after I'm done lifting. And then it allows me to actually just go in, not really think about anything and just get the job done. I, I try not to watch the videos during, um, every once in a while, if I do something, I'm like, that just felt completely weird. I don't know what that was. Then I'll look at the video, but most of the videos I take, I'll wait till after to watch them. Cause I don't, I don't want to start thinking about, Oh, well, was that right? Was that a good position? Oh, let me compare it to the other videos. I don't want to start that. Cause then you sit on your phone for seven minutes in between lifts and now you're out of it. So I do save them for the end, but I also think that it depends on what your motivation is because I'm a bit of an asshole when I lift. So I like that wouldn't, I don't think I'd go into it as a beginner. If I walk up to a bar <laughs> and it's a heavier one, I'm like, yeah, everybody, everybody can hit this lift. You're just going to do it better than them because you're better than them. And then I go hit the lift. Uh, so it's not like a, yeah, I, I don't think that would work. If I walk up to a lift, I'm like, oh, I've done this before. I did this lift four years ago. Go hit the lift. So that's normally my thought when I get to the heavier ones rather than, yeah, I cuss myself out a lot in my head most of the time. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be different for everyone. Uh, you, uh, it kind of reminds me of like that whole, like, um, what was that thing that Michael Jordan, uh, documentary that came out a couple years ago. Yeah. And he was, disrespect. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so like, that's true. he did not have like, you know, he just thrived on that negative energy and like used it and it to his advantage. Um, which I think a lot of people can like relate to that. But there's a reason Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan and that not everyone will be successful with that. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe they would be successful, but they don't have that level of commitment. Because um, there's just a difference about like the amount of commitment that you like give to something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're uh, if you're just getting angry, you know, he had he had reason enough to like keep going and that kept him hungry. Um, so I think, uh, I think what I'm getting at here is, you know, you just kind of have to try different things and see what works for you. Um, usually the Michael Jordan mentality does not work, um, unless you're unique. Um, Hey, I like it. Stay toxic Kings. Stay toxic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, kind of just staying present in the moment. And it's not saying that, uh you don't have to stay present and in the moment with both of those mentalities, but you know, just being able to let go of things and let you focus on yourself. So that's really whether you're intrinsically or extrinsically motivated. I mean, I think it changes throughout the year too. I mean, it's not like whatever mindset you have should stick all year through everything. If that makes sense. Like there, if I'm five weeks out, I'm going to be a little harder on myself than if I'm 25 weeks out. If I'm 25 weeks out and I do a rep that like bothers my knee a little bit, I'm going to stop. I'm like, all right, let's not push it. It's fine. Like, that was weird. You don't, you don't need to screw up your knee for the next five months. If I'm five weeks out, I'm probably going to say, screw it, get over it. You're five weeks out. You need to do it anyway. And then when I get to that last two weeks, I'm going to say, all right, let's not screw yourself for the competition. So it, depending on where we are and how far out we are, 
that does change how I view pains and motivation into a lift. It, it changes throughout the year for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that works well for you. Let's just say somebody else that tries that and they like their zone of optimal performance is a little bit more on the calm side. Uh, they would not want to do that. They'd want to try to stay calm as close as they can to competition where that's not the case for you, Tyree, your, you know, your zone of optimal performance is when you've got two bangs, you know, maybe three, <laughs> one right after weigh-ins and then like, yeah. you know, two right before snatch or something as he's sipping a bang that you guys cannot see. Um, so like your zone of optimal performance is when you're very, um, very stimulated, you know, very hype, you know, you're talking crap, you know, you're kind of up there. Um, where someone else's like their zone of optimal performance, if that anxiety, cause that's what it is. You just have high anxiety and you're using that in your, to your benefit, but other people like they just associate anxiety with bad. So that's the anxiety coming in from the competition is just too much. And then they, they underperform. Uh, so then they actually have to just kind of lower that anxiety, lower that stress. They don't have stimulants like caffeine. They do some deep breathing. They, um, you know, they calm down that they forget, they try to forget that they're at a competition. They visualize that they're just in the gym training like they always do. Um, yeah, I think just, you can, I, I think you can tweak it early if you catch somebody early enough. So one, I'm sure I've said this story on here before. No, I, I, probably not, but I've said this story quite a few times. One of my favorite days with Braden was one of the Saturdays when he came in to lift and it was Carlo and Ben were going for a one rep clean. It was a, yeah, it was a one rep clean and jerk day. I'm going to put some, some content for lifters. Brayden is the youth athlete from our gym. And then Carlo and Ben are, um, you know, late twenties, early thirties and, yeah. you know, clean and jerking like 155, 160. Yeah. Um, Brayden normally lifted in the morning with me and there are a couple other women that he would lift with in the morning. And those women were clean and jerking around 60. They were around his numbers, not uh, maybe 10 kilos more. So everybody in the morning was clean jerking between 60 and 70 kilos. And it was calm in the morning and that's how we would lift. And then one of the Saturdays he came in and this was the first time that he had really lifted with the older guys and he knew their numbers. You'd seen it on Instagram, but it's different when you're sitting literally right next to the guys who are who have 160 on the bar and they're going for it and i think brayden's best clean and jerk at the time was like 53 kilos or something and i don't remember i'm always broken something was wrong so i came in wearing some khaki shorts and a, and a smoothie so i was just coming in just to watch so i came in and it was one rep day for him and he's he's going and he's adding and he was sitting on the hamstring curl and i saw his foot shaking and then he was watching Ben. And then I think it was it was Ben or Carl. I don't remember which one. And then after they went, they're like, all right, your turn. And then he walked up, PR'd his clean and jerk, sat back down. We added more weight. And then both feet started shaking. And I, mm, I saw it and I told Amanda. Hey, man. I, I, I saw it. I told Amanda, I'm like, look over. Braden's shaking. I like this. All right, good. And then added weight again. He He, he hit it. Looked over added weight again. And then I saw his both feet and one of his hands were shaking as he was sitting there watching them go. And then I was like, okay, now I need to go say something to him. And I walked over. I was like, Hey, Brayton. And before I even got out, he's like, I can't stop shaking. 
And I was like, good. I was like, well, like, that means your body's ready to do something that you normally don't do. You've PR'd multiple times, so your body's ready and it's anxious. You'll be good. Just whenever you start shaking, you feel like that. No, let's go, Tom. And it feels good. He's like, okay. And then he hit another yeah. PR. And then that was it. Yeah. Like, th- then he hit that PR and that was it. We're like, all right, good. So I, what I would hope is that now every time he feels that way, he gets happy. Because I know whenever I'm in competition and my hands start shaking and I can't put my tape on, I just start mm-hmm. smiling. I'm like, ah, oh, it's go time. You can't, you can't feel your feet and you can't put your tape on because your hand's shaking. It's go time. Let's hit something big. So oh, man, me, you can't, literally you can't feel your feet. Did, uh, did you forget what I can relate to the handshaking one. <laughs> at finals when it was in between, it was in between, I think it was before my third snatch. It was before the PR snatch. And I'm sitting there and I'm stomping on my feet. I'm like, man, I can't feel my feet. And I asked you how much time I had. And you're like, four or five minutes? And uh, Morgan was there. There was another girl who was uh, from West Virginia was in the back with me. I was like, Morgan, come here. And we took off my knee wraps and she was wrapping them up. I'm like, oh, my, my wraps might be too tight. That wasn't it. Took off my shoes, started bouncing. I'm like, oh, no, I just can't feel my feet. Cool, let's get it. Put everything back on. Went out there, PR'd my snatch, and we were good. But I, I like that jittery feeling. And whenever I get it, since I only really get it in competition, it's like a, it's, it's a good thing. It's like, oh, it's go time. We're good. Instead of other yeah. people getting that and freaking out like, oh, I'm nervous. I'm shaking. I can't do this. This is going to be bad. I view it as a good thing. I think people just need to view it different. Well, you just got to recognize what your zone of optimum performance is. And you just have to do competitions to find that out. Because it's not necessarily like that I don't think is a learned thing. I think that's just like an individual thing. Yeah, natural instinct. I was going to say a good way to practice it or like learn yourself to see how you like perform optimally is like try different jumps. I've learned like training with different people in new like environments definitely help you like zone in on okay what outside factors are going to make me perform better which ones should i ignore mm-hmm. in order to perform better or which ones should i use as fuel to perform better yeah that's a good point you know going in and getting different different environments and kind of learning more things about yourself i like that uh you know what i just said that it wasn't learned um and i think i might need to adjust that um because i was just reading a story about uh about a guy that had uh what do they call it like performance anxiety like self-sabotage on like performance day mm-hmm. and uh it turned out like they've kind of working with a sports psychologist and they found out that it was like uh ptsd related with uh when their parents used to come to sport and watch them and then they would get competition anxiety because there would be too much pressure from the parents and are like stuff like that and then when they performed they would do bad and they associated like performance with that. So then they just had to change their mentality so that they wouldn't, uh, you know, have those associations with competition, which is, uh, that is definitely a learned thing. Yeah. I was going to say, um, maybe not even having to go to different gyms to train. That's just something I do. Cause there's not many local meets in my area, but local meets would probably be a really good option too. Um, for you, James, is there, I don't, to me, it doesn't make a difference. Um, is there one athlete that you think would always perform better? So you have the athletes that are overly stimulated all the time. Then you have the other athletes that are calm and not worried about performing. Is there one that you pick? Cause I don't, I don't think it really makes a difference, but I know some coaches wouldn't want, 
one or would prefer the other. Yeah, I think different coaches work well with certain types of athletes. Um, so like, let's say you're a calm person and you need to be relaxed and you're coached by uh, a hype hype man. Um, you're not playing to the strengths. You know, I think that coach should learn how to do everything. They should learn how to be the hype person. They should learn how to be calm for the calm person. Um, but you know, sometimes if you just like, if you just get that perfect mix where like, oh, this coach is naturally a hype person and that's exactly what that athlete needs in competition to do the best, you know, that's a good pair. Um, as opposed to like, if that hype coach had to work with an athlete who was very calm, um, and they had to really like dial things back and dial their excitement back to help keep that athlete, um, calm. Um, you know, they're not necessarily, they're playing to their strengths. The coach is adapting to the athlete, which is what the coach should do. Um, but if I was that coach, I would say, you know, try to find athletes that, uh, you know, play to your strengths. And that's not a, that's not necessarily a hard rule. I think that's just, I think if a coach is conscious of that and they make attempts, I think that's a, that's a good thing. So let's, let's use an example of, of um, you know, a good, uh, a good pairing of coach and athlete. Um, and let me see if I can think of a good one. Mashing let's just use Kane and his dad. Ah, okay. You know, yeah. They, uh, they kind of do like little jokes right before he goes out and lifts, um, just to like bring, you know, bring the, uh, the intensity down a little bit. I think Kane still likes to get hype. I think he's somewhere in the middle with that like zone of optimal performance, but he's definitely not like a, a super hype person. Like you can even see it in his like setup where he goes up there, he does a yell. And then when he grabs the bar, I think he even kind of calms down and adjusts his glasses and then he goes. So it's not like go, go, go. And I think his dad's like a good personality for him because he kind of would like um, giving him an outlet to like calm down just a little bit. So like that's a good pair because his dad's a pretty relaxed person. Um, Chris Wilkes is um, his dad. Um, and now let's go on the other side, like somebody that's hype and that needs, seems like that athlete needs a hype person. Um, you know, the first one that comes to mind is, you know, Travis Mash because he's pretty hype. Um, and who's his, who's one of his athletes just that, you know, we, I can think about this cause it, uh, cause we had him on the podcast, Dane Miller and his, um, his meathead athlete. Wh who's his meathead athlete? That's 69. Jake. Is it Jake you're talking about? 73. Yeah. Jake. Uh, what's his last name? I forget his last name. Jake. Uh, uh oh, I can tell you. Yeah. I just horse, know his Instagram's horse. like, horse. oh, Jake horse. Yeah. And yeah. So like that pairing would be like, you know. Dane is pretty hyper and Jake thrives off of that energy and does well in competition. Um, and then I think Dane does a pretty good job. Cause I think what of his, what's his other athlete is, uh, Wessinger? like somebody that needs like to be calmed down. Was it that like Haley Haley looks a little bit more calm uh, or is it, uh, or, uh, the other 69 or 73, whatever that is. And I can see her face and I can't remember her name. I know exactly who you're talking about. Cause they did a video about her getting an iPhone. If she hit a lift. Uh, well, that sounds like a hype thing. That doesn't sound like, <laughs> that sounds like extra pressure. Um, so maybe it's the, um, Wisinger, Jordan yeah. Wisinger. 
maybe he would be, need to be a little bit more calm. You know, he does like woodworking and stuff. And like, those are all kind of calm artistic stuff. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, we kind of went down a rabbit hole on that. Um, but yeah, I think that's always good to like, if a coach and an athlete can kind of feed off of each other and that's what they need and they can recognize that that's what, you know, if the coach can recognize that that's what the athlete needs, I, you know, I think that's a good match. Um, you know, and I think that's important. Like, like George said, just going out and doing a bunch of local meets and finding out what you need to perform the best. Um, and then you'll, you'll start to get a better idea and then you can make adjustments and changes and get better and better. Uh, speaking of that, I think we're going to go to a local meet here in North Carolina on, um, June 4th. I don't know who else is all going to that, uh, uh, it's just an athletic app. I don't know what they're calling it. Athletic app open or something. Yeah, I know I got Zach going out there. Um, did anyone else from the actual gym gym sign up or <clears throat> I forgot to mention it to him. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe they'll listen to the podcast. This will be my way of testing to see who's listening to the podcast. Uh, but, uh, yeah, maybe we can get everybody to uh, sign up and go to the June 4th competition. And uh, it's an athletic lab. I still haven't been to that new gym. I've been wanting to go there. I went to their old gym from quite a few years back, but they built this whole new warehouse. So I'd like to go check that out. Um, I think that but, yeah, more first, local meets better. That was the first meet that I did when I started going to Al. I went to one at the old gym. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> I did way better than yep. I should have. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. A little bit of stress makes you perform well. I that works. Getting on the scale there, eating Twizzlers. I was literally holding a pack of Twizzlers in my hand when I stood on the scale, weighed in at 77.6, and the guy looked at me. And this was when the weight classes were 77 and 85 for men. And the guy looked at me, he's like, Do you want to take? some time and go down. I was like, no, nope, it's a local meet. I'm fine. It's, I don't care. It's good. So I waited at 77.6 while eating candy and just, I, I did not care about my weight classes at local meets. I never did. Such an that, old man. I wasn't even weightlifting <laughs> with those weight classes. Yeah. That's, oh man. Are you one of those new guys? Ah, oh, you never had the 77 class. No, hmm. I feel like 85 would be pretty dope though. Honestly, I feel like that'd be a good weight class. It was. It, one, it was, especially for the guys that were going to the Olympics. It was nasty because they're just heavy enough to hit something wild. But I was always on the lighter. I was, I was weighing 78 at the time, eating whatever I wanted, and I was weighing 78. And then age caught up to me. And now look at me at 82 every day. As he's drinking a bang. Hey, is that thing sugar-free? <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm not sure about that. How many calories does it get? Zero. Zero. Zero? All right. I thought so. Uh, So I had one because you guys were talking about it all the time. And uh, you you know what? I feel like it's like uh, it's like unsubstantial. Um, When there's no calories, like how am I actually going to get any energy out of that? Like there's no substance. Drink three of them. Drink three. <clears throat> well, nah, I, I need some calories. 
for my energy drinks. <laughs> well, that's I was kind of thinking about that too because you look at like pre workout and it has like beta alanine, it has caffeine, mm-hmm. uh, L citrulline or citrulline malate, like other substances that go with it. And then you look at the price of a bang versus the price of one scoop of pre workout, and the bang is like double essentially, and you're not getting nowhere near as much stimulants for like your performance. Well, that is true. And I was like, that's why on comp days I also bring pre workout. You know what? It didn't even taste carbonated. Which flavor did you have? Oh, you had corn something. Uh, yeah, the uni- rainbow unicorn. Yeah, you know what? <clears throat> I didn't get my bubbles. You know, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You, you know, the only crisp. Next time I'm back, I'm, only... I'm bringing you a candy apple crisp. The only reason I got it is because. Uh, you guys were mentioning it and I was like, all right, I'll give that a try. And, uh, and it was like 15 cents cheaper than the monster and I'm a cheap ass. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> I, I bought it and I was, uh, I should have splurged and spent the extra 15 cents, um, on Honestly, the monster. Sam's club's the way to go. Get a pack of 24, keep it at the gym. It's what? 24 for like 31 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I only use them when I'm driving though. I think if I had them in my house yeah. and I had a pack, I would just drink them all at once and that would not turn I was, out well. I purposely, I, I make sure I don't just drink them when I sit around. I drink a lot of carbonated drinks, but I get like the fruity flavor, zero everything drinks just because I like carbonation. So we talked about what we like to think about when we're lifting heavy. What about you, Coach James? When you were back in the day hitting your biggest lifts, how would you approach that training day or the workup? Mm, visualization. I would visualize success and then I would, uh, just go and do it. Would you, know, would you say like you were kind of just like empty minded? So you really wouldn't analyze anything or would you try to like analyze as you're working up? Yeah, there would be days where we would analyze and we just go and we'd look. Um, but there is definitely like a time to do that. And then a time where it's just like, interferes so like on a max out friday is like is not a time when we would do that we might do it on like a um i don't know like a wednesday that's just was generally kind of lighter but um yeah sometimes you just needed to like if it was like a really heavy day and you were going after it and the main goal of that training session was to just hit heavy weights it would just be visualized and then you know, go after it. Now there's other days like uh, a Monday, Wednesday, where we would have like other exercises and the intent would be to fix some sort of technique through a complex or, you know, something like that. And then maybe those days would be more appropriate for analyzing and things like that with, uh, some video review or something along those lines. Usually Glenn would film and, uh, then we wouldn't see it until he put the YouTube video out later that night or the next day. And that was kind of nice. That kind of put a barrier in between, um, you know, a hard barrier. So we wouldn't get sucked into analyzing probably wasn't until like 2015. Cause that's when I first got a smartphone was like 14 or something, 14 or 15 that like, I really had to start practicing, not like getting sucked into, uh, analyzing your lifts you- as like mid practice. You fixed me with that before because it was uh, back when I first got to Howe. I don't remember which one it was. It was either a really good day I had or a really bad day. And I asked you the next day 
how many times do you look at your videos? And you were like, I don't know, like three. And I was like, oh, I, I was completely mind blown because I had looked at the lift from the day before. Again, I don't remember if it was a really good one or a really bad one because I used to do it with both. And I had watched it like 50 times already. And you were like, yeah, that's way too much. Stop. You know what <laughs> yeah. I kind of realized, or maybe it's just me. Um, I feel like when I'm lifting and I start to analyze, then I start to lose the feel of the movement. So like I can naturally correct things without even trying to correct things. I feel like, cause like I'll watch a mm -hmm. lift and like maybe my hips rise too hard, uh, too fast on this one, or maybe I didn't have the right foot pressure on this one. But then if I watch the lift immediately after it, like after the training session, it's like my body corrected it on its own. I didn't even really have to think about it. It just from the progression of the lifts that, uh, after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Cause your body knows what, right. Well, you've, you've done enough to know what right is compared to if you're looking at a random CrossFitter, every single rep's going to be completely different. They're not going to fix it as they go on, but you yeah, do know I was what say, I, feels like. I feel like if you watch the videos, then your body doesn't, it lose. it takes too much time. And then you lose that autocorrect mode almost like the autocorrection. I intentionally yeah. won't watch the videos while I'm there. Like I, I, not every time I will make sure that I don't sit there and watch more than maybe one video because then I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole and like, Oh, well your hips were weird there. And now you're not feeling it anymore. You're just trying to do what you saw on the video wrong. It, it goes South. Yeah. Cause that's the, that's the tough thing is, you know, that's that whole reason about uh, the, the whole theme of that book, the inner game of tennis. And it's not necessarily like, oh, I did this wrong. Let me fix it. Like, oh, I didn't get my knees back. Let me fix it by starting to push my knees back. You know, you might, your body might know the feel. You might not realize that it's because your start position's off. And then all of a sudden your start position's still off. And then you push your knees back even farther. And then you get pulled even further out of position. Uh, and, and if you like overanalyze, something like that could happen. When in reality, you know, your body's just like, Oh, that felt a little off. It'll just kind of make a correction on its own. And then you get a, then you fix your start position kind of even without thinking it. And then it's corrected. Um, so it's a pretty interesting, interesting, uh, you know, way that the body and the mind work and you just got to trust in it. All right. I think that, uh, wraps up our time for today. Um, so where can, uh, where can people find you at George 81 KG on Instagram or at the house we lifting page? And I am at Tyree underscore Thor on Instagram. All right. And check us out at www.houseofweightlifting.com. All right. Thanks for listening guys.